All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today's episode felt like a gift to me. So I know, like I believe in my heart, it'll be a gift to you. Uh, one of my dear friends who I've known as an entrepreneur for a very, very long time, who's introduced to me through my incredible friend and entrepreneur, Ari Mysel, who's a genius. He's been on the podcast. He's written incredible books like The King of Productivity. And today's guest, Tina, Tina Wells, has been an OG and dominated absolutely every single thing that she has touched. And I've been blessed to know her for quite a long time. And I feel like every time I get to talk to her and ask her questions, I benefit so much. And on today's podcast, she broke down so many incredible things. And one of my favorites being about harmony, uh, having harmony in your life and how you can use her elevation approach principles with specific concepts and reflections on how to create harmony in your life. And she broke it down step by step. We applied some of our tools on top of it. And this is like basically a how roadmap to happiness uh, and creating harmony in whatever season you're in with so much more. She talks about the phases of these seasons, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. Talked about sabbaticals, pivoting, coming into alignment with your business choices, and so much more. So this one is an incredibly chocked full, loaded to the brim. So I'm excited to share it with you. So I'm going to stop bumping my guns in the intro. So let's get into the podcast. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back. The only way I know how to describe today's guests would be a universal gift of a queen landing on my plate today, because today's guest is just a woman of stature, compassion, integrity, giving, fire, fierceness, and everything of mine who I've had the pleasure of knowing, meeting, and my heart was so full today when we got on. And she said, when I looked at my schedule, I have a podcast with my George Bryant. And so I feel held so incredibly well. And so we will welcome the queen of elevation. We'll get into that later, Tina Wells. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you, George. I really was so happy when I saw like, that's my George. I know. I felt like only I know you. I know. It was like, <laughs> it was good. I was like, my George? <laughs> I literally, I have to tell you, I've been on the road for like three weeks and I have like six weeks of travel coming up. I got home last night. I'm home today to unpack, repack and leave tomorrow. And I was like, looking at my calendar and I saw two podcasts in it, but I didn't look. And I was like, okay, I got to do this. Like get in the zone. Like, I know you're tired. Like, let's go. And then like 30 minutes ago, I opened and I saw your name. I'm like, Tina. And I was like, all right, studio setup. Here we go. Yes. Fun one. And so thank you for that gift here. Of course. I feel like we're living the same life. I've just been traveling home to unpack, repack, yeah. but it's been good. Well, you know what's so beautiful about that when I didn't even realize it? I think the reason we're able to do it so effortlessly is because we don't try to balance it. But we'll talk about that in a little while. So before we do, Tina, um, I obviously know you. I've had the pleasure of spending time with you. I think you're incredible. But every time I hear you speak, I find out something else that you do, something else that you're a member of, someone else that you happen to know, some big influence you have. And I'm, I'm always amazed. And so... For context for all of my listeners, can we kind of give the story of Tina however you would like to tell it? Sure. I mean, it's funny because I feel like now when I tell the story, it goes right into why I wrote this book. Mm. Um, but you know the short form, which is I was a teenage entrepreneur. I started my first company, a marketing company, when I was 16. I ran it until I was 40. And then at 40, had this moment of life needs to change. I'm not sure how. My dad got sick. I went through this process with him of watching someone who was like super happy about his life, very content with the decisions he had made. And, you know, to your point, by this point, I built the Super Soul 100. I had a thriving business and I wasn't happy. Right. And I didn't really know that. I ended up going on my first sabbatical that year and decided what I really loved was middle grade fiction. You know, I'd written a middle grade series in my 20s and 30s. Loved it, but was very focused on marketing. And so when I went on sabbatical, 
I was given the opportunity to partner with Target. In the last three years, we have created 14 middle grade titles together. And so that was a really exciting journey. Um, And during that process of just getting to know them, I found this really interesting intersection where I could bring content and commerce and community together. And that's what we're talking about now. I have a new book, The Elevation Approach, which is really my guide to help people bring big ideas to life. During the process of me doing all my book projects, you know, one of my friends just said very casually, how do you do it? Like, I have an idea. I don't know where to start. And I wrote a plan to help her. The plan became the book. And and it's what I love to talk about now. And so it's all about how we can do all the things we want to do in our life without sacrificing us, right? So like you and I were traveling, we're doing a lot of things and we still feel good, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what the book is about. It's about creating the harmony you want, but also accomplishing things, right? So you've got to go between, you know, hustle culture to now this soft life, which makes no sense for people who want to make money and live nice, you know, where I feel like work-life harmony says you do the work that you love, you find a place for all the things to fit in your life. And, and that's the goal. Yeah. I want to ask you a question about that because I, I agree. And, and I think I have a few questions, but the first one is, is when you talk about like the behaviors or the choices of like choosing something new, like choosing to be happy or being on the road and like feeling fulfilled. I think I want to clear up that like, for me, that isn't always like I'm in a hotel room and it feels like rainbows and unicorns. For me, that feels like sometimes I'm sad and sometimes I'm crying. But when I'm sitting there, I'm realizing that I'm aligned in my choices for what I said I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And so it feels easy to me because I can remind myself that this is my workout per se. And this just happens to be a hard set. But by accomplishing it, it might be a low note. And then there's a high note and that creates harmony. And so I wanted to say that I wanted to say that because I think for years, I even had a chip on my shoulder where people were like, I manifest my life and I'm always positive. I'm like, what? I see demons all day. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what? And so I just thought that that was important to say. It's very, I think it's a really important point to make. You know, I've been doing a lot of talks, especially talking to younger women, right? Let's say they're at a place where they're getting a professional degree. There's like nothing fun about that last month, right? We're in a <laughs> we're in a time right now where so many people are graduating. They're like what they've just gone through to get to the fruition of their goal was not fun at all, no. right? Work life harmony says no, it's not possible to take a trip in the middle of something, but it is possible to carve out an hour, right, to just go have a coffee with a friend and make it better, right? And I do think that for a while we tried to pitch people on this idea that if you weren't happy all the time in every little situation, you just weren't trying hard enough, right? Where work-life harmony says, yeah, I might be in a series where I have a lot of work and it's really hard and I would really like to be with my family, my kids, but I got to grind this out and then I'm looking forward to this thing, right? And it's Mm -hmm. the idea that I think what you've said so brilliantly, which is what I try to really tell people or help people do through this book is get in touch with how you're feeling, acknowledge it, and be honest about it because then you can get the tools you need. So if you're not at a place to be honest that this really sucks, then you don't get the tools to help you through the fact that this really sucks, right? But I'm with you. It's like, I like my bed, but if I'm in a hotel, what can I do? What can I curate? What rituals can I bring in that's going to make that experience not suck as much as it would if I didn't have my things with me? Oh my God, that is so good. That is so, so, so good. So good. So I have a question about that because, you know, you talked about earlier, like when you took your first sabbatical, right? And even with what you just said a minute ago, I remember there were so many points in my career where I was like, this sucks. But for whatever reason, I felt like it sucked so bad, but it didn't suck enough for me to stop doing it. So I kept doing it. And so it was like this, this vicious cycle. And I feel like I didn't even know what to look for to tell that I was like out of alignment or out of balance or you know, out of harmony. And so like, how, how can people even recognize like some of these tells and triggers? I feel like for me, I only learned because every time I got there too late and the universe just punished me. And so I'm trying to give people a head start here. I'm with you. (laughs) I was like the last person who left my party and everyone else was like, you should party. Right. Um, And I think when that happens, it feels so bad you don't want to feel that again, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I think that we have, like, I had warning signs. 
months. Yes. But I just kept thinking, but it's not that bad. And another thing I want to say, especially for people who are listening, who are very good at what they do, I actually think it's harder to make a change when you are very good at something and it's just not the thing you want to do, right? Or when you feel like, who am I to decide? Like for me, I started a company at 16. I ran it for 24 plus years. I had Mm -hmm. clients like Oprah Winfrey. Who was I to say I'm jumping off that train and doing something else, right? Because then I feel like, but so many people trusted me. So many people believed in me. I'm representing for all these other people, right? Then we have all the chips that come on our shoulders to people we have to represent. Uh And so- I think sometimes we know what we want to do, but we don't feel at all like we have the right to do it. And I think what I what you'll realize when you're doing all these exercises in the book, it's going to feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions. I am because sometimes we don't know what we want. Mm-hmm. I did not know what I wanted. I knew what wasn't feeling good. But what I encourage is even a little break, because if we are going, 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 we can't pause enough to say, why do I not like this? Yes. What would I like better? What would that feel like? Yes. Can I give a note on that? Because for everybody listening, I want to really, really acknowledge what Tina said and give you some fortune cookies to remember. So if you've ever heard the, you can't see the trees through the forest or you can't see the label from inside the bottle, what also happens is when you're triggered or in trauma, i.e. anything Tina's talking about, my life isn't working, something's not here, I'm unhappy our brains are only tuned into trauma. So it only sees patterns and behaviors that we've done in the past, which limits our thinking to experiences and events from the past. And so it puts constraint on creativity, which is why we struggle to find a path out. So what Tina's talking about is the questions, they're not designed to always have answers. They're designed to spark creativity or throw an X out of your paradigm or bring you from constraint into open, right? So if you think about a kid that's five years old, kids don't have internal dialogues yet telling them what to think and what to feel, right? So they can think creatively. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a boom. But then you become a human when the world triggers you and traumas you, and then you're limited to your thinking and your identity, which is also what Tina's talking about. So Tina, I have a question about the identity because the sunk cost bias in, in your world that you just alluded to I had as well, like food blogger, New York Times bestseller, like the man on the thing. And it took me three years of ignoring it to be able to walk away and realize that you talk about harmony. I was trying to create my life separately. Like I was this food blogger online and I was this person behind the scenes. And it was not intentional. It was just because I was lying to myself, but it basically killed me. And every time I tried to come back into business, it never, never worked, which is why I had to be like, screw social media. I just have to be myself and then figure out how that works. But the identity piece was, it felt like the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. Like when I made the decision to walk away from that. And so like, how do you even start to identify like who you are, your behaviors? Like, I love that you have questions in the book and I'm excited to dive into it now, but like, I would just love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, first, I I think for many of us, especially entrepreneurs, I know I could you identify with like there's an overachiever or competitive part that's yeah. like I have to do this, I have to do this, right? And I also think there's this other thing happening in culture right now, which for me, if I, I talk a lot about this, I hate cancel culture yes. because it is creating anxiety yeah. where we all now have to, we're putting ourselves all in the place of having to show up as the best representative of ourselves, right? So we're taking away that we're humans. Yeah. We're going to make mistakes, right? I'm not going to knock it out of the park every day. And so you're showing up tight, right? So you would talk about, I want a life of harmony and you're showing up to every interaction waiting for the first punch, right? And we've created all this for each other, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about, Social, that's such a huge hindrance for people. How do I need to look on social? How do I need to be? How do I need to make this thing go? And we're so in our heads that we're actually not doing anything, right? So I think the first thing we have to do, and I say this to myself every day, I, like, I'm to the point where I won't even go into some targets and look at my end caps if they're messy, right? But I, I am aware, I acknowledge. Like People send me photos and I'm not breathing to see how bad is it going to look, right? Yep, yep. Like, is it picked you got to stop that. But I, but at least I'm aware. I feel like so many of us aren't even aware we're doing that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to show up and it's like, well, if I write something, it's going to be a dumb post. If I do, like we're talking ourselves out of it before we even try. And so I think the first thing is you have to be gentle with yourself, yes. right? 
And then from there, I, I think I love your analogy of like inside the bottle. I have this first instant elevation principle and the first piece preparation is about decu- decluttering your space, right? And when mm. I talk about that, I encourage people to realize it's not just your physical space. No. Some of us might have perfectly looking physical spaces, yes. right? But we've got digital clutter, yes. emotional clutter, and you got to clean that out yes. too. But I think we all deal with this idea that it, at any point in time, someone could choose to cancel us. You know, how do you show up and live this harmonious life when you're always looking over your shoulder about who's ready to take you down, oh right? And I think collectively, we've got to figure this out because it's not we're, what's happening I believe, is people who have such big gifts to offer are just not even getting in the game because they're so scared of what could happen if they make a misstep, right? A, a and thousand so, percent. Yeah. A th- it, like the I way mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more and I could go on a rant right now for like an hour and give like a diatribe on this. But the way that I think about it, it's like every time I look at my computer and I, I open it, I have to update Chrome or maybe it freezes and I reboot it. But it imagines like with human beings, what we do is like it freezes or a human freezes and we're literally in the trash, in the trash, yeah, in the trash. And it doesn't allow iteration. It doesn't allow progress. I used to love like Les Brown would say it all the time. He's like practice makes. And it was like perfection. He's like, no progress. Cause that's the only thing that exists. And I love that so much. And so yeah. girl, I will be your hype man for this one all day. <laughs> All day. I just think we have to do. My dad has a saying. He always says it to us. I'm, you know, I'm the oldest of six. My dad always says, "Tina, remember, nothing beats a failure but a try." That's yes. just my dad. He's like, and very it's and wisdom. so when people ask me like, "How do you do all the things you do?" I'm like, you have to remember, I have five younger siblings. I have my parents. No matter what the world thinks about what I do, I have people who are like down for me no matter what, who are supporting me no matter what. I feel okay, right? Yep. And so many of us, you know, have to remember that. And I think when we talk about harmony, it's like talk about building your tribe. It's a very important principle in the book because you need your people, right? Yes. Everybody doesn't need to be for you. They don't. And, and if you actually turned off social media and thought about just the people who are in your close circle and what they think, you would be very happy people, right? It's like if you've got your people, George, who are like, George, you're killing it. Yep. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're good. As soon as we go on social, people are like, her book sucks. I didn't really like it, right? Then you start to get all the voices. But, you know, you got to build yourself up. You do. We're talking about how you do big things, right? You don't do big things by letting – you have to almost build a discipline around who gets in to your space to even have an opinion. And that's how you start doing some of these bigger things. Yeah, big things don't come from small thoughts. Nope, no, nope, nope. Not at all. And so I I love that you said that. And one thing I want to add to the friends, the thing I love about my friends, though, is that if my friends like Tina or Ari or, or all of our mutual friends, if I'm showing up, they're going to be like, you're killing it. But if they sense something's off, they're also going to be like, why are you out of integrity right now? And they're going to challenge and check me where I would feel unsafe online or in the world because they do love me and they are willing to stand with me and they want my honesty and they want my healing as well. And so... I love my friends because they're the ones that'll be like, hey, you're killing. I'm like, thanks, man. He's like, yeah, I was just getting you to respond. What the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. And I'm like, God, I love you. And so I think that's so big, too, in the caliber and the quality. I teach a concept in the uh, in the podcast, Tina, called my SOS model, how to get unstuck. And there's an inner circle. And my rule is the nine people in your inner circle have to hold you to your potential but not believe your story. And so those are the people I look for. That's so, I mean, I call them friend tours. Yeah, in my there book. you go. I, and I talk about how I think mentors, I think we need to get over the idea that yes. you're going to have a mentor. I think you need friend tours and you need sponsors, right? Yes. And for- Oh God, that's so good. Right? It's like, we don't need a mentor. You need a friend tour. And my friend tours actually had a mutual intervention with me when I was like, I have decided what I'm going to do. Right. I hated my job. I was very depressed, but I was probably 39. I was like, I'm over it. Right. And I had I had just been interviewing with a big bank to start leading this program. And I thought this was the best thing ever. And to your point, my friend tours who did not believe my BS, they like cornered me. We were in a fellowship program together, cornered me at breakfast. And they were like, what are you doing? No. They're like, that's a great job for someone else. And someone will take that job. But you have to do the thing only you can do. And I will tell you this. My friends wouldn't have told me that, right? The people 
I consider my fab five or my closest friends would have told me to take that job. It was, it's something about having peers who understand you and the people you're talking about, even some of the names, there's are people who understand exactly where you are, George. Yep. That's very different than cheerleaders, right? Yes. They're like, oh no, I've been where you are and yep. don't you dare do what you're about to do. Yep. And, but just to show up and to say you're open to that takes this very special kind of person. And that's why I talk about, someone asked me, well, I've got these phases, preparation, inspiration, you know, recreation, transformation, and inspiration is when you take your big idea, right? You've gone through preparation, so you know it works. And I said, it's very important. You don't take the work to cheerleaders because they're going to tell you to do it. Yep. You take it to people who have done what you're trying to do, and they're going to be honest with you, yep. right? So you, you even putting yourself in that group of nine means that you're open to someone being really honest with you and giving you honest feedback. And sometimes people aren't. We've seen a lot with social people, like they're cheerleaders. Yep. They're like people who are like, go get it. Or people go on and tell a story. And we're like, that's not an integrity. But people are like, yeah, you do you. And it's like doing you is not getting you the harmony that no. you're seeking. No, because I I tell people like I, I have, God, you and I, I love you so much. Like space is, is like my thing, right? And you were even talking earlier. I'm going to tie this together. But what you were talking about earlier, you would reference like we start to recognize we do these behaviors. Now, in hindsight, looking back, what I tell my students now, my entrepreneurs now, is like what you have to recognize is that awareness is the finish line. Because the moment yes. you recognize that you're doing the behaviors, it means you're no longer doing the behavior, even if it's momentarily. So what I yep. failed to recognize is that there was a lot of just behavioral residual patterns that had me believe the trauma or the wound was there. But the moment I actually knew what it was, it wasn't there. And there's a Thich Nhat Hun quote that I read for years that reminded me of this. And he said, the moment you recognize you are, you no longer are. And then you think mm -hmm. about like when you have these exuberant moments of life, you don't have one memory of what happened in that five minutes when your child was born or in that 10 minutes when you got married or whatever, because we were in the moment. And so I use that to remind myself. But the reason I'm so bullish on space, Tina, is... I had a shaman that I sat with, like, God, right after I met you. And God, when I saw you last time, I was 75 pounds heavier than I am now, by the way. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I let some stuff go, dear. Um, but, when, uh, <laughs> but, when, but when I sat with him, I was like, I was rampant and I was everywhere. And I was like, well, I'm doing this. And I'm sabotaging this. And he looked me dead in the eye. And he's like, well, you've never been quiet enough to hear God's whispers. And it, like, mm -hmm. broke me to my soul because I realized that I never created space. So instead of even allowing myself to recognize the behavior, my default pattern was immediately to get back into it because I was afraid to feel the feeling. And so I just want to give like kudos and hype and everything to what you're saying, Tina, and for everybody listening, like these are some of the most important concepts to like truly have harmony in your life. Well, thank you. But also I think like you, um, I went through it, right? Yeah, and people totally. don't understand. Sometimes for us, like when you're in client services, you're almost putting yourself in these positions to be traumatized yes. over and over and over again. Yes. And you don't even realize you're doing it where you're like, I don't want that again. It's funny. I recently, I was visiting with one of my entertainment attorneys and we've worked together for 18 plus years. So a huge part of my career, every book he's done. And we were talking and he's like, so what's next? And I said... I'm just going to enjoy this and I'm going to do the best I can with this and just keep this going. And he was like, wow, that's awesome. I was hoping you were going to say that, but he knows the old me would have been like, sell him five more books. I got this. I got that. I got that. And I'm like, you know, this is a really good moment. Let's just be good here and do good work mm -hmm. and write it. Right. But I think I was the same where I just kept, you got to stay on that that treadmill, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I can't get off because if I get off, then I have to deal with all the stuff. And for me, what I hope other people don't have is like my dad getting sick that year and, you know, he's doing so much better and we're so grateful he's here. But that year when he was sick, and again, I spent so much time with him, you know, two months he's in the hospital, I'm there just talking and I'm like, he's just so content and happy and grateful. And he did the things he wanted to do. I just kept asking myself, you know, how do I get there? How do I get there? How can I be there, you know, 40 years from now? And it wasn't continuing to do what I do, but what we're talking about, even listening, right? Being at a place where you can hear a whisper, 
how do you hear a whisper on an express train, right? Which is what so many of us do. We just hop on the train and hope it's going to work itself out. But I think the scariest moment is when you go and sit in quiet because you don't know what you're going to hear, you know, and how you're exactly. going to take that. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think you and I, we get along so well and we're, we have so many similarities. What What I'm trying to tell people now is that you end up there one way or another. One way is very, yes. very easy and one way is hell. And what it yeah. took me and most people to realize is like it wasn't the first break. It wasn't the first close to bankruptcy. It wasn't the first mental hospital. It was like the 11th or 12th or 14th to yes. where everything around me had to break so much that there was literally nowhere else to hide except in my own thoughts. And yep. I'm telling people and, and Tina, like my clients, I require them to have at least a five minute stillness practice a day or I won't work with them. Like that's it. Like just at least five minutes to start flexing that muscle and that behavior so that it can work and start to be used. Like it is the biggest thing for me. I totally agree. I'm glad you said five minutes. You know, one thing for me being a black woman, talking about wellness, talking about things, I think for so many people of color, they feel like, well, how can this be my reality too, right? And I yeah. will talk about other people, but it's like, well, there's wellness. Like I don't have two hours a day to work out, right? No. Like, or people who feel, anyone who feels like I don't control my day, I don't control how I spend it. What Two things, I guess, are really important in the book. Every single principle, there are 12 principles of instant elevation in the book. Ooh. Every single one you can do for free, right? There's no cost to any of them. If I'm telling you to move, I'm not telling you you have to do X, Y, and Z's workout class. You have to just move. And the other thing that you've talked about is give me five minutes per day. Yes. I'm not asking you for an hour, but I really believe if you start doing these things, I'm suggesting you take five minutes and you realize the benefit. You know, you may not own the eight hours, the nine hours, 10 hours at work. You own your commute. Yes. Right. And what we're talking about is the discipline around it. Right. So you can either listen to one thing on your commute or you can listen to that podcast that is going to elevate your day. Right. And that's what I'm trying to help people realize is I know what it feels like. As entrepreneurs, do you think we feel like we own our day sometimes? Sometimes we're giving our days over completely to other people yep. to totally pack them with things, right? But if you can get five minutes, if you can get in that practice of, I own this five minutes and I'm going to use it to change, what you start to notice is five becomes 15 yep. because then I, I'm with you. It's like if I don't have five minutes to organize my day, it is disorganized. I need yeah. five minutes to center, to vision. You know, I'm a big visioner. What do I want the day to look like? Yeah. How do I want the day to feel? And then I go, but if I just up and start, I'm always feeling off. So, you know, I agree five minutes can change your life if you let it, but it, but it's about the practice, right? 1000%. Letting in space and saying every day I am open to trying to be this new version yeah. and not getting back on that hamster wheel. A thousand percent. And I'm going to, I'm going to echo this. It, it's literally about the consistency of the practice, not the result. So even if that, yeah. like, so for an example, when I wanted to lose the weight after I met Tina, um, I started working on this, but I knew myself. And so I knew if I set a bar of like, I have to go to the gym an hour a day, I'm going to fail, but I needed some structure. So my rule, Tina, was for 30 days by 5 a.m. I just had to be parked in the gym parking lot. I didn't have to work out. I didn't have to go in. I could go home. And out of 30 days, I only didn't go in seven times. One time I cried the whole time in my car. One time I listened to a book. One time I watched YouTube videos. Uh, one time I did breath work. But irregardless, it was relatively easy. And so what I tell everybody, like this is about one bite at a time every single day. And what Tina's talking about yeah. is when we're in trauma and we try to change our to-do list, we change our to-do list with the same beliefs and behaviors so it gets stuck. And if you take one of Tina's 12 principles or all of them and give each one of them five minutes or one of them five minutes for 30 days, what'll happen is when it starts to become important or work for you, it'll become 15 minutes or 20 minutes. But that 20 minutes with a new behavior will create constraint in the areas you don't want to be in anymore, which will allow you to become more efficient, to buy more time back, to do more of that activity, which will then start to change your behaviors to think differently. And so I really want you to heed what Tina is saying and get the book. So Tina, I'm not waiting till the end. Can we just tell everybody the name of the book now, where the hell they can find it? Let's go. Yes. It's called The Elevation Approach. You can find it wherever books are sold. Uh, there's a special edition at Target that includes Ooh. a letter from me. It has journal pages in it. Um, 
Uh, but yes, you can get it. I, I saw it at the airport the other day. I was super excited to see my book at my Which airport? It was in Philadelphia International Airport. I was like super excited. All right. I'm to flying tomorrow to two airports. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go peak. I'm going on a Tina Wells hunt tomorrow. I'm going. Let's hope. I love it. And so <laughs> with that, and I actually say this too, you also, the book is in Target as an exclusive, but you have an entire end cap in Target with, we, can we just talk about that I real do. quick? I, tell everybody. So home office products to really help you achieve work-life harmony, right? So things that look beautiful in your home, that you can take them on the go, you can take the principles on the go. Uh, and it was really fun to create this kind of line. But, you know, I referenced many of the principles in it, and I feel like when you decide you want to elevate or change your life, right, you inevitably have to make an environmental change, right? Whatever that looks like for you, there's something that has to reinforce it, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just certain little things like having a notebook, um, like a big on writing down ideas. I have a planner that takes you through the elevation approach and allows you to leave, live like seasonally, monthly, and weekly with mm. the approach. Um, and so that one's been a big hit. I would say there's, I have my biggest seller is a plan and create journal. Bless. And it's, it's all about the first phase. And I give you journal prompts throughout. So if you're saying I want to change or do this thing, um, it just lightly prompts you throughout the journal to ask, how's it going? Yes. You know? And so it's super great to create and I've loved it. Um, but yeah, like one thing I wanted to say, you brought this up about going to the gym, right? One of my principles is around knowing your numbers. Yes. And so for me, um, you know, I started taking my health really seriously about five years ago, but I realized I could tell myself stories. I'm the and best at what it. I had to do, <laughs> what I had to do was get some accountability around numbers. Like I wear my aura ring every day because I'm a person that would say, I think I slept okay. Uh -huh. Right. You wake up to that sleep score <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God, I'm not ready. I got to get myself together. But prior to that, I was like, I, mean, I think I slept fine. I think I don't need more sleep. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, this is off. I got to get my steps and I got to, like, yep. these are things you hear people say, I need to get my water. I need to get my steps. But when you start to realize that for people like us who have to be on, and I'm and not just like us, anyone who is actively living, right? Yep. You're with your family. You want to be good for your kids. You know, these are little things, but I have a brother. He's like, oh, I wasn't doing good with my water. So he found this cool water bottle that prompts him to drink water. Like there are so many solutions to oh, our, yeah. our problems right? if we get accountable to the numbers, right? Yep. And again, I, I invite you to decide what numbers are important to you. But I think it's so interesting how you talked about this, like for 30 days, I have to show up, yep. you know? Yep. But that was like a, an accountability where you knew I'm either here or I'm not. There's yep. no in between or what happened. Yep. And that's hard. That's really hard to decide you're going to become that accountable. Well, like for me, like the, the thing that I had to get to, and you know my story in my life, like I've faced death many times, including suicide. And what I, what I really came to recognize is that if I'm complaining about a game that I don't like or what's happening on the field, I know the absolute only way to change it is to actually stay on the field. And any moment I'm yes. not in consistency, I'm allowing my feelings it's literally keeping me stuck. And so I created a model called the wedge of expectations to where I picked my four behaviors that were important to me. But instead of setting myself up to fail, I set myself up to win. And so I'm like, my ceiling, Tina, is an hour workout a day. My floor is a five minute walk outside. My meditation is an hour a day. My floor is 10 minutes. My breath work is an hour a day. My floor is three five minute rounds. And so what I ask myself is on the worst day, if I can agree to myself that I still want to be alive, what can I commit to knowing that I still have to play the game today or else I'm going to lose? And so that's how I do mine. I think that's amazing. And I think you hinted at something really important, which I've often said this and my parents definitely taught us the same concept, which is you can't change a game if you're not in it, nope. you know, and I, I often think about that, you know, as a writer, a writer of color, you know, I can talk about the problems or I can get in there, master the game and be part of solutions, yes. right? And bridge building and making it so much easier for other people. And I think even as you talk and I talk about overcoming trauma and things that have happened to us as entrepreneurs, I, I want it to be, I want to hopefully offer solutions to the next generation so that they don't have to go through what we went through, right? Yes. And I think we don't talk enough about mental health with entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. Or mental health with people who are 
in charge of their paycheck and what that feels like to constantly have to think about how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And the trauma that can come from that. Right. And I yeah. often say like, you know, so many entrepreneurs, you know, who are dealing with trauma, like I wasn't, and I didn't have any money invested in SVB, but the amount of trauma that situation created and watching founders not, on, not know what could happen the next day, you know, yep. yeah, they got their money back, but like, how do we deal with the trauma that these situations yeah. are creating as well? Yeah. You know? and, and I want to piggyback. I want to go back to one thing you were talking about when you were talking about environmental design, because you, you nailed this. You were talking about these little environmental things, but I think the important note for everybody here is that the environment you create should be the environment that reminds you of who you want to be, not who you currently mm-hmm. are. Right. And so when Tina's talking about like buying back space in your life, right, I have a 45 minute commute on purpose. I got an office space 45 minutes away from my office because I drive by bald eagles, wild elk, bears, rivers and mountains for 45 minutes every day. And so for me, that's my stillness practice. I get 45 minutes of just me and my thoughts in nature on the way. And so when Tina's sharing this, it's like, you know, maybe you want to lose 20 pounds. Great. But I guarantee you, if you stop thinking about it and you're just like, I'm going to walk 10 minutes a day for 30 days, you'll be way closer mm-hmm. than you were if you just sat there and thought about it. And so use yeah. your environment. Like when she talks about decluttering, like look at your Facebook friends list, look at the content you're seeing, look at the music you're listening to. If you're listening to people that my life sucks, my wife left me, my business is hard, you're going to get more of it. And I fucking love DMX and I miss listening to him, but I'm going to tell you something right now. My life is better that I'm not listening to that every single day. And I'm listening into like who I want to be or how I want to feel. And so whether you're in a cubicle, whether it's your iPhone, the more decluttered in space you can create, the more creative Tina can help you be to find those behaviors. And so I just wanted to say that because I think it's so important. No, it's true. And my mom used to have a rule for the six of us when we were growing up. She would always say, you got to dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Right. And it was so interesting. But I realized now my parents were so focused on your parents are wise as shit. They really are. They were. I am very lucky. The six of us are incredibly lucky to have them. But she would always say that dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. And it's true. Like I can go into some environments and it doesn't even mean you're dressed up, right? It just means Mm -hmm. that when people see you put an extra five minutes into care for how you're going to show up, right? Because we know now there's so many different standards in what corporate wear is, but the idea that you were thoughtful about how you're presenting yourself, people perceive that in a way, you know, and I never realized that. And that was just a tip I got from her. And she's never been wrong, you know, and, and there's just a way. I mean, it's funny. I can show up at a place. I'm like, I have on leggings. Like, I don't yeah. think I'm presenting this nope. thing. And but to other people, it's like, oh, you know, this is a thing. And so these are just small things. But I think it's also you're signaling, right, to something bigger than you. You call it the universe, yep. God, that I am showing up yep. for myself, right? And I yep. think it, the 10 minutes a day just says I'm showing up for myself. And then there are more opportunities that come your way to show up for yourself. For sure. And like, listen, if you, you, you realize that your vehicle, your, your body is a vehicle, right? You have to drive it first. If you just make sure you put one drop of gas in it in the morning that will last the day, you've still won the day. And if you get one, great. If you get two or three, you start buying your future. But if you just focus on one in whatever area that is, it makes a massive, massive change. And Tina, I want to talk to you about creativity because you are literally one of the most brilliant minds that I've ever met. And every time you speak and the undertones and the principles under the the lessons that you're teaching in the book and how approachable and bite-sized, but how much wisdom is packed in there, like it's insane. And so I imagine that that comes from this space. And, and I know you help people with creativity, but as people start to create space, like what are some of the things they can do to start to unlock those ideas again and spark those excitements and those joys in their life? Yeah. So one thing I, one of my principles is get curious. And Mm. I tell the story of how um, I love airports. I I love airports for people watching. Yes. The Um, best. Curious. Like in airports, right? No one's thinking about the fact that other people are looking at them. So they're just the, for me, it's like a purest version of someone, whether they're anxious, upset, right? All the things that are happening. I'm just watching people. Um, And when I was in my trend spotting days, right? I had business trend spotting. I'd look for trends. Like I remember the first time I saw a mom, a grandmother, and a daughter board a flight all wearing tops. And I was like, oh, 
this is becoming a thing, right? And I, I look for trends, look for things, but it really is just the idea that I'm curious. Yeah. And I think sometimes we close ourselves off. And I think that sometimes I see this as a very American problem. You know, I've, I'm in South America right now, but where it's like, no, it's only like, I'm like, why are we so uncomfortable with two things being true, yep. right? Like she could be not a nice person and they could be very racist. Like why do we act like only one of those things can be true? Right, because we close ourselves off and it's like only this way can be right, mm -hmm. right? Versus saying, well, we can find many different answers, but you have to open yourself up to curiosity, right? Because then we're like, well, there's like with medicine, for example, there's only one way. Right. There's only this pill that solves that. Yep. And it's like, well, what if <laughs> I did this thing? And what if I could take a supplement and do something different? You know, and it's always funny when I like talk to my parents or people and they're like boomers. Boomers love their doctors, their med plans. Right. And I'm like, but grandma was like had an herb for everything. Right. Her yep. generation was, you know, if you go back to silent, like yep. they're like, we had to come up with these natural solutions for things. I remember my great aunt. And grandmother drinking golden seal tea every day to like do things. And now it's like, there's a pill for that. And I'm more of like them. I'm like, yep. teach me how like I need golden seal every day. And so it's just, you have to get curious, right? And we yep. have to stop saying there's only one way, right? Yep. Like you were talking to me, you're like, oh, shaman this. I'm like, yep, sounds about right. Yep. Or other people, I could never, you know, it's like, but in that moment, there, there could be something that comes to you through a completely unexpected package that delivers one line that could totally change your life. And you're closing yourself off for some preconceived idea. And we don't even know where that idea comes from, that something's not right for you, right? And so, I don't know, I think curiosity is important, but I think it's important to really give yourself permission to, to again, I'm asking you to think for yourself, right? It's, it's being a little more, it's accountability, but it's also just getting involved, critical thinking, right? We've lost the desire for critical thinking. We let people get on TV and tell us what things are instead of saying, I don't know if I believe that. I actually read the data. I don't really know if that's accurate, right? It's like, no, they came on the TV and that's what they said. So they're right. It's like, but what about what you think and how you think and how you came to that opinion and talking to other people? And, and you know, I love when I can get with a group of people and we don't necessarily have the same opinion because you might flag a blind spot I've had, right? Yep. Where I'm shut off to understanding something and you open me up. Like I would tell you, I'm very, I mean, I, I, my practice was marketing, right? Marketing is both an art and a science. And sometimes we can lean heavily towards one or the other, but I'm a person who like loves data yep. sometimes more than feeling, even though yes. I'm a creative person, my creativity has to flow to an endpoint that's going to have a result, right? Like if you were like, Tina, just go make something to make it. I'd be like, I don't really know yeah. if I want to like dedicate the time. But I need those kinds of people in my life who ask me like, how are you feeling? How does that feel? What color is that feeling? Like I need those people to make me a more interesting person, right? So I think that for me, ask about where's my creativity come from. It's constantly making sure I expose myself to people who are different and think differently because then it keeps my mind going. And I feel like it just continues to open pieces of it because I'm not trying to do the same thing every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have a, I have a final question before we start to land the plane near the end. But um, one of the things that I told myself, I think you'll appreciate this is I made a rule that I wasn't allowed to consume content for three years because I said, um, when I consumed, I was building your vision, but when I created, I was building mine. And so I said I had to earn the right to consume. And so for three years, I was only allowed to watch a podcast or a book if I wrote the equivalent of like three emails or three pages or three videos or three anything or three podcasts, and then I could go consume the next one. And so when you say that, I realized that plus the addition of space is what allowed me to start to realize what was my belief, what were my feelings, and then what was everybody else's, which allowed me to create space to respect other people because then I knew mine and I could respect theirs and figure out where I wanted to meet in the middle. And so I love that. And so I, uh, I think that's huge. So I have a question for you kind of on like your day to day. So you've kind of been in this game for a long time and you, you're aligning and integrating all of this and giving these tools to other people, right? But you are so good at this because you don't talk the talk, you walk the walk you walk the entire journey to completion before you turn around to teach it. And so for you, what are some of like the most important 
rituals or habits that you focus on every day and not necessarily the thing, but like the area or the, the meaning behind it that you think are like the critical ones for you? Yeah. So I realized at one point during this process that my day is actually the elevation approach, right? So I talk about four phases, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. Mm. And for me, the hardest was, of course, recreation, right? What entrepreneur thinks you need to take time to do something else. And and recreation is not your workout. That is in preparation. I realized I was living my day that way. So like I start my day in the preparation phase, which is not just answering emails. It could be while I'm getting ready, listening to a really interesting podcast, something that again has nothing to do with my work. Mm-hmm. It's just to get my brain going, right? And that's really important for me to do in the preparation phase. And my inspiration, which is when you're more social, I tend to like that in the like my late morning to afternoon time where I feel like I'm just more vibrant. And then what I noticed the key was was in recreation, and you pointed to this, right? That 10 minutes, 15 minutes just to stop doing the thing I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Just to go do something for play. Um, we talked about how kids are so inspiring and that kids just play to play. They don't play with an end goal, right? And so for me, it's finding that time and then transformation is bringing it all together. And so I've learned that like, if I can keep that as the rhythm of my day, the things might change, but in the morning, I always find time to do something that I'm curious about. Reading something, I love global news. Um, Again, I don't really read U.S.-specific news in my early day. I like to know what is happening in the world, right? I will be plenty of time during my day to find out what's going on in the U.S., but just like anything interesting happening and then, you know, talking to people. And then I feel like in the recreation, that afternoon time, just do something for yourself, mm. whatever that is. If it's having a, a few minutes with a friend, if it's like, I love Flipboard. Actually, our friend, mutual friend Ari got me into it. That was the coolest, best gift he's ever given me, which to curate my own feed with whatever I want, which may or may not have royal family news. Um, and anytime you have a pause, right, you could just go to your flipboard and see like, oh, what's interesting, you know? And so I found that already thinking about when I'm going to have those little breaks, right? Like for me, I love a hot beverage in the morning. Depends where I am in the world, mm-hmm. what it is, if it's a tea, if it's a coffee, but taking a few minutes in the morning to say, I'm going to do this thing for myself, Um, something I can also do in hotels, which is great, right? That I can bring that practice with me. Um, And then I have other rituals that when I'm home, like reintegrating into my house, how I do that is really important, you know, by like baths or like all different kinds of things. I'm like, okay, I'm home. This is what that looks like. Um, But again, I can tell you this because I've spent time asking myself those questions, right? And that's the biggest thing we're talking about, which is giving yourself permission to ask, what do I like? Yep. And be really honest about that. Not what am I supposed to like? Mm. What am I supposed to do? But like, what is it that I really like? Okay. And once you get those answers, starting to do those things for yourself. Maybe it's not as much as you want, but just starting to, to do a bit of it, I think it's really important. God, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. So reminder again. So where's the name of the book again? Uh, the Elevation Approach. Okay. So everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, I would highly everywhere. recommend you get your booty in the car and drive to Target and bonus points for taking a selfie with it and posting it on Instagram. What's your Instagram, oh Tina? Tina Wells, at Tina Wells. I would love it if you do that. I repost everyone. I love seeing all the images. At, at Tina Wells. So, so let, let's do let's do Miss Tina Wells a favor because she's an absolute gift. Let's all grab the book if you want it, if it works, and leave a review wherever you get it and make sure we fill her bucket because I would love that. So, um, Tina, uh, one last question, and I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. So I want you to imagine that everybody listening just forgot the first 47 minutes of this podcast. They don't have a clue of who you are, what you said, what you do. But in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo a piece of wisdom on their soul that they'll take with them forever what would your tattoo wisdom be? Oh, seek work-life harmony. Mm, seek work-life harmony. Oh, well, that is a good way to land the plane. I'll take that one. <laughs> I'll take that one. Okay, so that's what we got. So Tina Wells, uh, at Tina Wells on Instagram. You grab the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I'm going to Target because I want the special one because I feel like I'm special. And so that's what I'm going to do because that's what I do because I'm You're very special. I'm yes. a unicorn rainbow lighthouse. That's what I'm saying today. That's why I own pink boots. Oh, Tina, it, it has been an absolute honor and pleasure and everything in between. 
Oh, thank you, George. This has been a very fun hour. I've loved it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So I'm excited. We'll have to do it again in person sometime. You'll have to take a trip to Montana yes. and visit Glacier National Park and hit the studio in person. Montana. Yeah. I haven't been to Montana yet. I love Wyoming, so I know I got to get to Montana. Yeah. So we moved here like three and a half years ago. So I live in, uh, I live in heaven about 15 minutes to the entrance of Glacier National Park. So you're gonna have to come. Oh my God. You're gonna have to come pay us a visit, and we'll do round two in the studio. We'll do a longer show. Yes, I would love that. Awesome, awesome. So for everybody listening, I might even try to poach Tina and come speak at one of our events, but you know we'll put that one in the baker for now. So we uh, we got her. So everybody, go check out Tina. Tina Wells on Instagram. Grab her book, leave a review, give her some love. Tina, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll have you again. Please and for everybody listening, please. Do. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And just like she and I both said today, especially the one with yourself. So you might as well start working on it since you're going to spend the rest of your life with it. So we will catch you in the next episode. So either way, here's the cute outro and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.